Also flip over to Galatians 5. We're going to be there, so cheat a little bit. First Samuel 21. Galatians 5. If you do not have a Bible, there's one to share in front of you. If you'd like to take notes, look at the back of your newsletter. There's an outline if you'd like to follow along with us. We're at part five as we break it down, first Samuel chapter 21, and we've entitled this chapter Slipping Away. And today we're going to talk about the effect of choices. The effect of the choices that you make in your life. We make choices every day. We make decisions that have impacts, and sometimes large impacts, sometimes small impacts. This week, I decided to clean out the gutters here at the church. We've had some rain, and some of them were backed up. And so I went and started pulling out leaves and different things that are collected in some of them. And got up there, and I realized that I haven't checked out the gutters that run along the, the top of our overhang here, the carport. They're about two stories high, and I thought, well, I'll get up there and check. So I got the large ladder out, climbed up there, and everybody who knows me knows I don't like heights, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And so got up there at the top, and I thought, well, let me make sure. There's no point checking these gutters on the bottom if the ones that are feeding it are fogged up. So I went up there at the top of that gutter, and I looked down, and I saw there is something there. It's all weathered and beat up, and at first I thought, is that a dead animal? And I looked a little closer. Not only am I afraid of heights, I'm a germaphobe. I've got a lot of issues, Billy. <laughs> so then I pulled it and I reached in and realized oh, it's not in. I pulled out, I thought it was some sort of wrinkled up type of uh, plastic, and it wasn't. I re re reached in and pulled out. Well, this is what I pulled out it was a wallet. It was a wallet, it had a license in it. I took the license out. And I looked at the license, kind of pulled out some of it, and I realized that the license expired in 2006. And then there was also, you can see at the top, a small badge. It's a, a Waterford Fire Department badge inside it. And so I looked at that and I said, okay, Google Demand, isn't Google amazing? Google Demand and the address, and thought, well, it's been at least, at least 12 years, 2006. Google then found him, called him up, and said, Hi. and he said, hello, and I said, is this, and I mentioned his name, and he goes, yes, why? And I said, my name is Steve, I'm the pastor of Oakenwood Baptist Church, and then he went, why? <laughs> that didn't appease him at all. I said, well, I'm just calling to tell you this, I found your wallet on our roof, in the gutter, and he said, what? He said, where are you at? What church is this? And I said, Open Woods Baptist. I gave you an address. He goes, I've never been at your church, much less on the top of your roof. How did my wallet get there? I said, well, I think he went, are you near the Eagles Club? <laughs> and I said, we're right next to it. He goes, you know what? I was a member a long time ago of the Eagles Club. He started to go. Back in 2004, I left my truck unlocked, and somebody stole my wallet out of my truck. And I said, they must have walked by our church, taken whatever was good, left his license and his badge, and chucked his wallet up on our roof. And then with rain and wet weather and everything, it got sick. So we figured out that that had been up in our roof for at least 14 years. So he, I said, I don't know if you want this or not. I don't know if it's important. But I said, I saw that badge. I thought maybe that was your dad's. Or he goes, no, I used to be volunteer. He said, I would love to have my badge back. And so he came by and scared Mary. And, uh, <laughs> so I forgot to tell Mary he was coming. And so I was going here. Where's my wallet? <laughs> and, and he came by and he got his badge and stuff. And I thought, you know what? What a great example 
Because so many of us are affected by bad choices. Yeah. Not even bad choices that we make, but bad choices that other people make. I mean, maybe it's you or you know somebody. I'm almost positive everyone in here knows somebody if it's not you. You're carrying around scars and baggages because of bad choices your parents made. Because of issues that they did that have spilled over onto you, and you carry it around because of bad choices. But you know what else is also true? We're also affected by good choices. Good choices. I told that man, and I, I over the phone, I invited him to come to our church. He's not here, I don't think so, but should have kept his wallet. But no, I told that man, I said, and I use this a lot with people, and I, I hope it doesn't come off as trite or anything. But I said, do you think it's a coincidence? that God had me clean out gutters, and then for some reason said, check those gutters up there. I didn't even know he had those gutters, to be honest with you. Never even noticed them. And I went up there and found your wallet. I said, maybe God, maybe God is just reaching out to you. And I Googled you, and you haven't moved in 14, 16 years, and you still lived at the same address, and you picked up the phone. Listen, we are affected often by bad choices that other people make. But you know what? A lot of us are in this room because of good choices people make. I mean, I could have taken his wallet and just thrown it away. I could have taken it and held it up here today and said, as an object lesson, look what I found. I could have kept his badge and kept it as a souvenir of different things. I told Sandra, I said, what really bothers me, I wonder what choice I would have made if there was $1,000 in it. <laughs> that wouldn't have been a problem, you know. Season tickets to the Steelers, that wouldn't have been a problem. But anyway, we're here because of choices, the good and the bad choices. Today, if you're taking notes or slipping away thought, it's very simple. Choices change my life. Choices change your life. Think of some of those choices you made that your life pivoted on you didn't even realize it. You went out with him. You went out with her. You decided to go to that school. You decided do you understand that I would not have my family if I did not make the choice to listen to my pastor? I would not have my family, I would not have anything that I own, anything that I have, if I had not listened and made the choice to listen to what God was asking me to do in my life. Simple choices of going down the right path were a choice that took you down the wrong path. All pivoted on the choices that you made. Last week we looked at David being in the wrong place, and in the wrong place last week we said he met the wrong people. And last week we said the people you'll meet in the wrong place, it makes a great Dr. Seuss book, but... People proud of their possessions. People eager to entice you. People acting on their addictions. And people excited about their entertainment. Today we're going to talk about the choices you make when you're in the wrong place. Let me just remind you as I say the wrong place. Yes, it's a physical, you can be in the wrong place. But there's also the spiritual. When you are in the wrong place with you and your relationship with God, you will make the wrong choices. We're going to see three things about David's choices when he's in the wrong place. Number one, if you're taking notes. David's choice will bring tragedy to the innocent. I want to talk to your parents for a second here. Maybe your grandparents have an influence and an impact on your grandchildren's lives. Look at verse 7. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day and detained before the Lord. And his name was Dog, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. Last week we looked at the history of the Edomites. We said that they are the descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau in Genesis chapter 36. And then we looked at Numbers chapter 20, and we saw that the king of Eden, Edom would not let the children of the promised land walk through his land on their way to the promised land. And then last week, we also looked in 1 Samuel 14, that they made war against the children of Israel, that they hated these people. 
Today I want you to see how evil Job is. I mentioned him last week. Flip over to chapter 22 for just a second. I want you to see how evil this man really is that David is meeting because he's in the wrong place. And David is going to bring pain to innocent people because he makes the wrong choices because he's wrong with God. Look at chapter 22, verse 9. Then answered Job the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Noah, to Ahimelech, the son of Atu. He's tattletale. In verse 10, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him victuals, that's the bread, and gave him the sword of Goliath and the Philistine. We'll see that today. Then the king said to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahimbatah, and the, all his father's house, the priests were where no. And they came all them to see the king. Now, Saul brings Ahimelech and all the other priests, and they're with him. And here's the result. Skip down to verse 18. This is what happens to the innocents when you make the wrong choice. And the king said to Doe, turn now and fall upon the priests. And Doe, the Edomite, without even thinking, turned. And he fell upon the priest, and he slew on that day fourscore, five persons that did wear the linen ephah. The men of God, the priest, he had no problem killing. But see this? This is a result of a believer making the wrong choices. Listen to me, parents, grandparents. The, innocence, the innocent people pay when you choose to walk away from God. Innocent people pay when you choose to walk away from God. Look, it, it is very obvious when, when somebody, as a young lady, makes a choice about a child's life inside of her, whether or not to abort it or not, we see there, we, we plead with her, we beg her, we put resources into trying to help her so that she makes the right choice, that innocent child can come to life and have an opportunity to breathe the breath of life and live a life, amen? And we see that clear-cut decision, and we think that is so obvious. Please, and listen, if you're here and you ever know somebody who, who has a child situation, like, what would we do with it? Bring them to my home. We'll just throw one more on the pile. Nobody will notice, right? But seriously, believers, we make those choices. We see such a clear, distinct line. But I say to you, mom and dad, it's just as clear the same choice. If you choose to walk away from God. If you choose to take the things of Jesus lightly, you're, the people that will bear the most cost is you. Is your kids, I'm sorry. Is your children. You say, well, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a senior citizen. I've already raised my family. You don't think your grandkids are watching you? You don't think your grandbabies know where you're at at 9.30 on a Sunday? You don't think they have seen your lifestyle? They see how you conduct yourself and the impact that you make? You know what a great trophy it would be, sir? Listen to me. Do you know what a great trophy it would be, sir, for Satan to get you to walk away from your wife? To get you to walk away from your family? To get you to walk away from your God? It's not a big deal when a 16-year-old boy makes a poor choice, but you mark it down, the kingdom of hell rejoices when a 66-year-old man walks away and makes poor choices. The people who pay, sir and ma'am, are the next generation when you walk away from God. Now just two basic principles. These are in your notes. Two principles I just want to focus on here. First of all, all sin requires a payment. All sin requires a payment. Uh, this is why Jesus had to die on the cross. He didn't pay Satan for your sin. He didn't pay. Jesus died on the cross because you were a sinner separated from God. And somebody had to pay that to God. And Jesus died on the cross in your place and mine. And if you will accept Christ as your Savior, 
he pays the penalty of his sin, excuse me, his blood that was shed on the cross is accounted for you, and you are free, and you are set free, and you are a child of God. All sin requires atonement. Amen? Let me tell you this other basic principle I see here. There are always doves in your life. There are always doves in your life. Don't give them an order. He said, well, I don't think there's always a... Jesus had a dough. Jesus had a dough, and his name was Judas. There's always... A... Every church has a dough. Every believer has a dough. Every family has a dough. It could be a person... Or in a family, maybe it's a, a sin. It's a cyclical sin that started with great-grandpa and grandma and gets passed on from generation to generation to generation. Every family, every church, every believer has a dog in their life waiting for the opportunity to pounce. You see, every family has a crazy person. Right now, think of the crazy person in your family. If you can't think of the crazy person in your family, it's because it's you. <laughs> Now, let me walk with you there. Every family has a dog. If you can't think of the dog in your family, maybe it's you. Number two, David's choices will bring shame to the innocent. Look at verse 8. And David said unto Himelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? Do you have any weapons on you? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. One of the greatest misrepresentations and lies in the Bible right there. First of all, Saul didn't send David. He was running from Saul for his life. And secondly, the king's business requires haste. God is not in a hurry, but we are. Sometimes God, never pray for patience, I've learned this. But sometimes God wants us to learn patience, kind of like this. One day a school teacher is at the end of an exasperating day, had to put boots on all 31 of her students before she sent them out into the snow. She struggled to lace up the last boot on the foot of the 31st child. The child looked at her and said, these aren't my boots, thinking that she would have to go back and reboot the whole class of 31 little feet. She furiously ripped off the boots, only to hear the kindergartner say, they're my sister's boots, but my mom let me wear them today. <laughs> Sometimes life will try your patience. Sometimes God wants us to learn patience. Remember Moses? Moses didn't want to wait 40 years to lead the children of Israel. So God sent him into the desert to learn because he had a lot to learn. David's habit of acting hastily. Do you see a, a, a building block developing here? David's habit of acting hastily is going to lead and bring shame to his entire nation and his family. When just in the next book over, he'll see a young woman by the name of Bathsheba bathing herself. And he will act quickly and not think. And he will bring shame to his nation, his family, and to God. Later on, because of that decision in Psalm 69, 19, he'll say this. Listen to me. This could be your life verse. I'm trying to help you here today. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before thee. And I'd like to add my adversaries, my doves, are mocking me and my God. Number three. 
David's choices will bring pain to the innocent. Or bring pain to the innocent. Look at verse 9. And David said, The sword of Goliath, no, excuse me, and the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Remember Goliath's sword. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. And what does he say about the sword that Goliath, remember he killed Goliath with this sword, or chopped his head off with this sword, and then he gave it to God? What does he say? Give it me. Give me the sword. So I want to ask you a couple of questions as we look at this verse. Don't answer, but just think about this. Number one question. Why didn't David have the sword in the first place? Why wasn't David carrying around this sword that he had won by killing Goliath? I mean, I probably would have walked around. I would never stop telling that story, right? If I ever hit like a hole-in-one in golf or bowled a perfect game in bowling, that's how I would introduce myself. Uh, Buzz Aldrin got a lot of flack because he always talks about being on the moon. He walked on the moon. I mean, come on. That's, if I was in the, on the moon, I would introduce myself every time. I am Steve Sheridan. I walked on the moon. Here's David who kills Goliath in one of the most epic fights of all time. Why doesn't he have his sword? Well, it was God who brought the victory over Goliath. Amen? It wasn't David. So God deserved the sword. David brought this sword, and he brought it back to God and said, This is your sword because you brought the victory. Christian, how many times... Have you placed your life on the altar only to later on pick it up and take it back from God? How many times have you come and placed a habit and you've said, this is the last time I do this. This is the last time I'm involved with this. God, I place this on the altar. This is yours. This, every, my, my, my ability to make the money to buy this, my eyes, my hands, my feet to go to get this, to do this. I will never do this again, Lord. Here is this habit. Here's the sin. I place it on the altar, only to come back again and pick it up. Parents, this is a dangerous thing. Because how many of you have placed your children on the altar before God and said, they are yours? I don't push a lot of people, if you've noticed. I don't push a lot of people to do baby dedications. We do them. I do them. But you know why I don't push a lot of people? Because it is a dangerous thing, and I don't think most people fully understand what they're doing. They basically think we're christening without the water. You took your child and you placed your child on an altar before God and said, God, this is your child. You do whatever you need to do with this child. And then you came back next year, next month, or when they were in high school, and you took that child back from God. And you wonder why that child is living its life the way it is now. You take things back from God, you will experience the wrath of God. Amen? Amen? David has given God this sword. And now when he is away from God, when he is in the wrong place spiritually, he is coming back to God and saying, that thing I gave you, I want it back. Question number two. Nothing. That's a question two. Where is David's slingshot? When David was serving God, think about it. Back David and Goliath. Remember when we did that about two years ago? 
where David was serving God, he used God's ways. But now here he is in the wrong place spiritually. He is in the wrong place physically. He wants the world's weapons. In your life this week, you're going to have a choice. In this life this week, you're going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice to pick up God's sword and God's weapons, or you're going to have a choice to go over and pick up the sword of Goliath and pick up the world's weapons and the flesh weapons. I've got to battle. I've got to do something. I've got a decision to make. Okay, are you going to pick up the sword of the Spirit and ask God what the decision is and seek what God would have you to do? Or are you going to pick up the sword of Goliath, the sword of the flesh, and go, you know what? I'm going to strike my enemies down with this. I'm never going to forgive her. I'm going to, it's just a little dishonesty, Pastor. I promise I'll tithe on that money. I'm going to pick up the sword of this flesh, and that's how I'm going to approach my enemies this week. I want to encourage you today to pick up the sword of the Spirit. I want to encourage you today to walk in the power and the blessings of the Spirit of God. Now turn over to Galatians chapter 5. We have two swords in our arsenal that we can use. Two swords. If you're here and you're not saved, you don't have, you only have one. We have the sword of Goliath, the sword of the flesh we can pick up. Or we have the sword of the Spirit. David's slingshot that brings victory. You see, on first glance, remember that battle? On first glance, if you stood there at that valley, you would have said, oh no, give me Goliath's sword. That looks like it's going to win. But we know how it ends up. Can I tell you this? It goes the exact same way. You look at these things and you look at the sword of the flesh and you think, well, that's obvious. That's the easy decision. That's the one everyone else would make. Everyone else in my office would make this decision. Every other retired person would make this decision. Let me tell you something. God's decisions that would happen in your life aren't always the popular and aren't always in the majority. up the sword of the spirit and you get God's outcome in your life. So let's look at these. You either, listen, contrary to what somebody might tell you, you're only going to pick up one this week. You can't pick up both at the same time and do some sort of ninja thing with both swords. You're only going to pick up one. Every battle is a conflict and we choose it each day. So here it is. I want to let you, I want you to hear God's word roll over you. I'm going to read verses 16 through 21. Just hear this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust there, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, they're contrary, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul makes an amazing statement right there. If you're constantly going to the sword of the flesh, Paul is basically saying, I don't think you're saved. Listen, everybody in here has made a poor choice, amen? We have a sin nature, and that's why we're supposed to die daily and pick up our cross and kill this old man, this old flesh. 
But Paul makes this statement here in Galatians. He'll make it again in 1 Corinthians 6 when he talks about pretty much the same list of things. And he ends it with, I don't think these people are going to get the kingdom of God. I don't think it's possible if you're if the only sword you ever use. If your reaction to every choice is always bitterness and anger. How are you a believer? How are you walking with the Lord? How do you know Jesus? Let me just break these down and, and Greg's going to stay up with me as best he can. If you're taking notes. The sword of the flesh, number one, adultery. It's not on there? Okay, every now and then the internet gives us a problem. That's okay, Greg. I'm going to go through these. Number one, adultery. Most marital problems too often use Goliath's sword. Look, <coughs> we're adults. Alright, so I'm going to talk to you like adults. Adultery has little to do with sex and more to do with trust. Most marriages, when they get in problem, instead of going to God, instead of finding out what God would have us to do, they go to the sword of the flesh. Let me see if I can fix this with this problem. Let me see if I can attack this with this problem. Number two, fornication. That is sexual sin. That is any sexual activity that deviates from God's plan. That is fornication. Let me just clarify something. That is living with your boyfriend before you get married. That is shacking up with your girlfriend. And that is also homosexuality. That is fornication. Any sin, any sexual activity that deviates from God's prescribed method of one man and one woman is fornication. Amen? Greg, I think it's just me, but I'm getting hot. Turn the air up, man. Maybe everyone else is. Listen, I understand in this room, everyone in here makes poor choices. Everyone in here has made a mistake. Some level. And we thought, we went over here. Pastor, it's, it's just easier to live with each other. But you, you don't buy a car without test driving it. Is that what you are, ladies? A car? And we picked up this sword... And we made a mistake. I want to tell you this today. Christians aren't Christians because they make mistakes. They're Christians because they've been forgiven. Yeah. If you've picked up this sword and made a mistake, you know what you need to do? You need to repent. You need to go to God. And you need to pick up the sword of the Spirit and say, okay, Lord, I messed up in my past. But see this girl, see this guy who I'm married to? This is it. From this day forward, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to pick up either one of these swords ever again. Number three, uncleanliness. This is impurity of mind. Do you notice Paul starts off real quick? Paul starts off with adultery, fornication, and dirty mind. That's his first three go-tos. That's his big three. And yet, all across churches today, you will never hear any of those three preached about. No one will ever preach about pornography. No one will ever tell you to run away. That, that lady... Who, is, who smiles at you at work, run away from her. Well, I don't know what to do. She keeps enticing me. Get a different job. Well, I don't know what, I, 
Pastor, that's ridiculous. How will I provide for my family? Oh, okay, I guess you're picking up the sword of the flesh instead of the sword of the spirit and saying, my God is in control, and I guess my God can get me a different job. Come on, man. Amen? Well, this is quiet practice. <laughs> Number four, lasciviousness, it means dirtiness. It just means dirtiness. That's why bars are dark, by the way. But I've talked with, do student ministry enough. You, here's the thing. Young people will hear something like this and go, you're right. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this person anymore. And I remember young people counseling with them, and, and something that has stayed with me is how many times I've heard boys, girls, teenagers, both genders, say, I just feel like there's not enough soap in the world to wash me clean. You get in the world, you feel dirty, don't you? Let me tell you something. There's not enough soap to wash you clean. But I want to tell you this. The blood of Jesus can forgive you and make you new. Lysidiousness. It's dirtiness. Number five, idolatry. Worshiping images. And all of us feel like, whew, I, I feel good about that. Let's go look in the parking lot. Number six, witchcraft. That seems pretty obvious. Number seven, hatred. I'd like to spend a lot of time on hatred, but we throw around that word too cautious or too carelessly. I think I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. I mean, I know in sports sometimes I'll say I hate the Cleveland Browns, but sir, ma'am, is there somebody that you're con you honestly? I hate that person. That's a sword of the flesh. <clears throat> Number eight, variance in the King James Bible. That, that word means debating God's word is God's word. I love that. Debating that God's word is God's word. See, that's the problem. Either this is right or it's not. Either this is true or it's not. Either I'm just telling you fairy tales made up by a man or it's God's word. Either Jesus is the answer for your sin problem or he was a liar or a lunatic or he's got to be Lord. It's one of the options. Either God knows what's best for all of these issues in your life, or you do. Number nine, emulations. Emulations means jealousy. Number ten, murders. I think, okay, I'm good there. Do you know what murder is? Jesus talks about it. Murder is what you do in your heart. Murder is what you think, what you could give. If I could only get away with this. I would, if I gave you $10 million today, what would the choices be that you made? If I gave you a get out of jail free, a hall pass, if I gave you the opportunity to make any decision you could, what would you do? And number 11, drunkenness. It's intoxication. You know what that is? That's going to the bottle. That's going to a, a bottle of pills, a bottle of alcohol, and picking up the sword of the lion to deal with your problems, to deal with your issues, instead of going to the sword of the spirit and letting God deal with the issues, the guilt, the pain that you're going through. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Alcohol and drugs never solve your problems. They just make it worse. And I'll just ask you this. If you're, well, I like to drink and I like to do it, but I just don't get high or I just don't get drunk. Would you please inform me what God's definition of drunk is? I'd like to hear that because I don't think God goes by the state of Michigan. And then Iowa has a different standard for drunk. So the Holy Spirit changes once you cross the Mississippi. 
I'd like to suggest something to you very strongly. Stay away from all alcohol. Stay away from all drugs. Why bring that poison into your family? It does nothing. It does no good for anyone. But when you're slipping away, when you're slipping away, you know what looks better? The sort of delight. Instead of marriage counseling looks like a lot of problems. In fact, the marriage counselor might point his finger at me and say it's my fault. Let's just step out of my way. These issues that I've been dealing with, instead of going to God, it might take me 5, 10, 15 years to work through everything that I did and was done to me. Instead of doing that, you know what's easier? Let's just get high and numb myself to it. Let's pick up the sword of Goliath and leave the sword of the Spirit alone. You see, David, David's away from God. Listen, if you're here and you are what we used to call backslidden, more correctly, out of fellowship, you have more in common with the world than you do a believer who's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. David didn't want Saul's clothes, and he didn't want Saul's armor. All he wanted was God. All he wanted was his sling. All he wanted was what God had, and he would take on the world because he had God. But now, he doesn't want God. He wants the, the enemy's sword, the one who blasphemed his God, the one who said he would feed his flesh to the birds. That's the enemy. He wants his sword. Hopefully this quote is there. Too often, as Christians, we unclothe the armor of God, the spirit, and put on the armor of a dead giant, the flesh. Here's the weapons of the spirit. It's in your notes at the back of your newsletter. But the weapons of the Spirit, you can find this in Ephesians 6, 14, 18. They're truth, they're righteousness, the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of the salvation. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, and it's prayer. But back here in Galatians, what's the end result? What's the end result of the sword of the flesh? Look at back at Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Can anybody use a little more love? I don't know if there's any person in here saying, you know what, I've got enough love, I'm full. Your family couldn't use a little, your marriage couldn't use a little more, your relationship with your child, your grandchildren, you couldn't use a little more love? Verse 22, joy and peace. Would anybody use those words to describe their home? Joy and peace? You see, the end results of the sword of the flesh is going to be death, destruction, and disease. Mark it down. But Paul says, listen, when you pick up the sword of the Spirit, you know what the end result is? Love. The end result is joy and peace. Do those three words describe your marriage? Do those three words describe your home? Love, joy, and peace. May I challenge you today, the reason they don't is the choices you're making, and you're choosing to pick up the sword of the flesh. Verse 22, long-suffering. That means patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ, what have they done? They have crucified the flesh with the afflictions of life. Those that belong to Jesus, they don't pick up the sword of Goliath. They take the flesh, they take the sword, and they crucify it with Jesus. They take it to the cross and say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to act this way. I am a child of God. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. You have redeemed me. You have a better purpose in my life than this. I don't want this. 
I want whatever God has for me. I just want Jesus. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, we also walk. We choose. We make the choice of walking in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, and one another. David had a choice. You could pick up the sword of the flesh, David. You could pick up Goliath's sword. The enemy's sword. The one who mocked your God. The one who said he would kill you. You could pick up that. Or you could pick up the sword of the Spirit. When you're tempted with the same old sin this week, what choice will you make? Are you going to give in to that same habit? Are you going to give in to that same temptation? When you're tempted to, to make a response and stand up for yourself and get your rights because you're an American. Because no one has the right to talk to you that way. How dare she mention you in a Facebook post? How dare somebody say, you hit me, you put one of us, remember the old for the movie, you put one of us in the hospital, I'm going to put one of you in the grave, right? I, you hit me, I hit right back twice as hard. Are you going to do that or are you going to pick up the sword of the spirit and turn the other cheek? When something doesn't go your way, are you going to pick up the sword of the spirit and lash out with anger? How dare you say that to me? Or will you pick up the sword of the spirit with patience and long suffering? Aren't you glad Jesus is patient with you? Some of you are a mess and he has to be real patient. Amen? Amen. Some of you are lying with him. <laughs> Aren't you like, are you going to pick up the sword of the spirit and turn the other cheek and be kind and gentle to people who have hurt you? insulted you. Someone hurts you. When you're ready to give up, that pastor can't talk to you. How dare you say that to me? How dare you challenge me on this? How dare you say my grandchild is not living for God? How dare you say the choices people are making are wrong? How dare anyone challenge me on any of these things? Of the sword of the flesh. Which sword will we choose? I understand today, listen, if there's a fight, we're all in a fight. I understand if there's a battle. I understand in your marriage. I understand in your family. It looks a lot better to pick up an AR 15. They're really cool, by the way. To pick up an AR 15 than it does to pick up your Bible or pick up the sword of the Spirit. And not return evil with evil, but remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It looks so much tempting. Do you know what the end result's for David? Shame. He's going to bring shame, he's going to bring pain, and he's going to hurt people. How different would your life be if your choices were different? Speaking of wallets, is this picture out there? Right? Is there, don't put it up there, but hold on a second. Speaking of wallets, a couple of years ago, I went to a store. I was out doing something, and I just had to get something and buy something. And so went to a store, went up to pay for it, and uh, reached in my wallet. The money that I thought was there wasn't there. Now, thankfully, I had a credit card, but the money I thought wasn't there wasn't there. Instead, inside my money, inside my wallet, I found this. This is a note left from my wife that said, took your last six dollars, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me 
what's marriage really like, Pat? <laughs> Little smiley face. Hi. That woman, she's, she knows all she has to do is smile. And I'm just like so in love with her, and I think she's just so beautiful. She smiles and goes, would you buy me a car? I bought her a car. I should have taken that note out and said, no, I, where's my $6, woman? She's got me. You know what? That's a choice. See, it's kind of comical right now, and I talk about it, and I laugh about it, and everything else, but that's a choice. That's a decision. And you're gonna, are you gonna leave a little note to your grandchildren? Sorry, Grandpa, stop serving Jesus. Good luck. Smiley face. Sorry, Grandma, passed out an addiction to you. Good luck. Smiley face. Hey, sorry you learned how immoral life really is because I brought this man into our home. Or because I brought this woman into our home. Sorry I destroyed your faith in God because I, I destroyed your faith in me because of the choices I made and the decisions I decided to do. I made a choice. Are you just going to leave a little note that says, hey, sorry I cheated on your mom, smiley face. Sorry you're an alcoholic because you learned it from me. Smiley face. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. We make choices. And they can't be wiped away with a smile. Today, listen to me. I'm going to end with this. Today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, the rest of your life, you will have a choice. The sword of Goliath in the flesh or the sword of the spirit and the slingshot of faith. Every head bowed, every head bowed.